Writing your oncology case report is a huge undertaking, and it's easy to make silly mistakes that can derail your entire writing process. That's why you need my brand new masterclass, the three-step framework for a finished case report. In this free masterclass, you'll learn three of the biggest mistakes to avoid when writing your case report, the secrets to actually finishing your case report, no matter the patient case you've chosen, and my proven three-step framework for starting and finishing your very own oncology case report. Save your seat today at theoncopt.com slash framework. Again, that's theoncopt.com slash framework. Welcome to the Onco PT Podcast, where you'll learn from oncology experts, practitioners, and patients to help you on your journey to become a confident and competent Onco PT. Here's your host, Elise Contu. Hey, Onco PT, and welcome to this episode of the Onco PT Podcast. I have a special treat for you today because I have the recorded question and answer session that I did with some oncology residents, Dr. Stacy Weber and Dr. Athena Manzino. They were so gracious to allow me to record our question and answer session that we did where they asked questions, much like you, about the upcoming oncology specialist certification exam. As I say multiple times in this episode, and I've said multiple times before, preparing for this exam made me the expert PT that I am and I'm continuing to grow into today. Not even necessarily the taking of the exam, but the preparing and the consumption and the appropriate application of this knowledge is what truly made me the expert PT that I know I am and grow and continue to grow into today. And I know it will do the same for you. If you have any questions about the Oncology Specialist Certification Exam, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Of course, you can DM me on Instagram. But until then, I highly encourage you, no matter if you're taking the exam this season or if you're going to take it in an upcoming cycle, you do not want to miss the special question and answer session that I did with Athena and Stacy. So we were hoping you could tell us a little bit more about how you set up your schedule for studying for the oncology board specialty exam. We've looked at the description of specialty practice, the DSP, a little bit, and have also looked at the resource document that's provided by APTA Oncology about what the content of the exam is, but we were wondering more so how to break it up. Um, And then we also said that we kind of recognize right now we're in a special place because the oncology rehab textbook is coming out very shortly. um, And it has, it's been released, but we're waiting for it to come to us in the mail. So we're just kind of wondering um, what your, your kind of plan was as you divided information and how you went ahead and set up a study, study schedule. Yeah. So first, I'm going to ask a question back, and then I'll dive into a little more. When are you trying to take the exam? 2023, later, where are we at with that? Both of us, our plan is to take it in 2023. Perfect. Okay. So with that, we're in a really good spot right now because we've still got, you know, a few months away and we're not so early to the point that you're going to be working and studying this material and then get sick of it. So now is a really, really good sweet spot. I think one of the best things that you can do is to really ask yourself, how do I best study? And for me, I identified that 
I can do chunks of time and then I need to back away. And so for me, what that looked like is I would do like two to three hour time blocks, like on Sunday afternoons, and that worked well for me. And so with that, as we got closer to the exam, like I would increase that time period that I was actually like using to study. But at first, and especially in this first early time, like using just a couple time blocks here and there is definitely appropriate. With that, what we did when we first started, when we first started this whole process is we went like section by section of that, you know, that resource guide that APTA released. That's kind of the process that we took moving forward. However, I think that that one of the mistakes that I made and that my study buddy made is that we spent a lot of time on those early sections within that resource guide because we just went in alphabetical order. And then I don't think we spent as much time as what we should have on other topics. Um, And so I would really encourage you before you even like set your schedule, I would really encourage you like, what are the areas that you're maybe most comfortable with? And what are the areas that you're most uncomfortable with? Because for us, we started with stuff at the beginning that we were also coincidentally really familiar with and then left the stuff that we were not as familiar with until the end. And that bit us in the butt, at least it it bit me in the butt. I can only speak for myself and how that worked for me. So once you've identified, okay, what are the areas I need more help on? Then you can kind of prioritize here's where it needs to be in my study process so I can spend more time with that material. And then there's where I would actually start working through on like, what's my, you know, what is my schedule this week for studying? What material am I going to study? And so I think knowing now we are trying to sit for the specialty exam taking place in 2023, which this year it takes place, I believe March, it's during March. So it's a little later than what it's been in years past. So we've got a little more time even now to work with, which is cool. So I would say like, like I said, once you've identified what are your strong areas, what are your not so strong areas, and then plotting those into when are you going to start studying? Are you going to start studying this week? Are you going to start studying in next week, next month, whenever that is, and then deciding, okay, now that I know when I'm going to start studying, how am I going to study? How much time am I going to spend studying? And again, for you, it might look very different compared to, you know, your neighbor or whatever, but I think that's, those are part of things you really have to consider when creating your, your study schedule. Does that make sense? One of the questions you asked a little more off air is like, how do I take the resources given and actually use them? I think we are in a really cool time period because like you said, we have this brand new oncology rehab textbook coming out that was written for physical therapists. It was written for rehab clinicians. Okay. So it's not just for PTs, but the reason I bring this up is, is it was written by physical therapists for physical therapists. There are other resources out there that are not. Unfortunately, um, there's a very well-known resource out there that is written basically like for physiatrists and then has a little PT thrown in there. And it's really not that helpful in the grand scheme of things of preparing for this exam. There are sections that I found very useful, but not the book as a whole. And so that's where I think 
it was a little more of a struggle to kind of like piecemeal that together. So I personally am really excited for this textbook. I don't have one yet, but I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on it because I think that's going to be a game changer. For some people, going chapter by chapter works for them. I had friends who literally, they, they picked a chapter and then they would read that over the week. And like, that's how they prepared for the exam. I don't enjoy that. And I know that like studying isn't always fun. It's not always enjoyable, but you are much more likely to sit down and actually do the preparation if you kind of enjoy it or the method that you're doing it, right? So if you know that you like reading from a textbook chapter and that's how you're going to get that information, okay, cool. But if you know that is not for you, and again, I'm in that boat over here, then don't try to do that. Use the book as a like a supplement potentially. Um, but one of the big things that I think a lot of people are not prepared for when it comes to this exam, the oncology specialist certification exam, is that it is a case-based exam. It is unlike a lot of the preparation that we've done in our academic careers so far, or even like our, our PT careers, because every single question that you will answer on this exam is tied directly to a patient scenario. And so, yes, reading the book is important. Yes, reading these articles is important. You know, like looking at these other resources is really important. But where most people get tripped up and where they're not prepared for this exam is they don't know how to actually take that information and apply it to a real life scenario in front of you. And that is the single biggest thing. Like you can read all you want. You have to be able to apply that knowledge because that is the entire exam. That is the entire seven hour exam that we're going to be taking. Thank you. That kind of helps a little bit just to make us feel a little bit better about not having to read the textbook chapters in full. Um, what we, what our understanding so far is of this textbook is that there will be like, usually in textbooks at the end of the chapters, there are like those bullets of main points. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of thinking going through those main points, picking out the ones that were like, you know, a little bit more unfamiliar with going back and supplementing that way. Mm -hmm. But Another question we kind of had is that kind of works for Stace and I because, you know, we were co-residents together. So we already planned to meet up, but we were talking about like potentially making a study group with the other residents um, and just like trying to figure out how to break things up. If somebody else is not going to break it up the same way you are, mm -hmm. it might be a little bit challenging to kind of review material. I don't know if you have another suggestion um, for how to navigate that. Yeah. I'm very pro study buddy, study in a group. Um, this is such a massive undertaking. I think you really need to have someone who is walking alongside you um, to keep you going when those days get hard. Cause it's gonna, it's gonna get tiring. It's gonna get hard, but it is so worth it in the end if we're doing it for the right reasons, which is ultimately like to become an expert oncology physical therapist. You know, one of the big things that me and some of my other like friends in the space really encourage people is don't take this for the letters, like take it because you want the knowledge. So very like, yes, please sign, like study with a friend, prepare with a group, whatever. I think you have to be really clear in your expectations in that group. 
Um, so there's almost a little like pre-preparation work to do you and whoever you're meeting with, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's Stacy, you know, because we're talking here at study buddies or with this group that you're working with and you're going to have kind of like a formal meetup in that sense. I think you really need to be clear on what are our expectations for this? Are we going to come together and already have material divided. And then, you know, like I will kind of talk about this topic and you'll talk about this topic, or is it we're coming together and we're doing discussions? You know, what does that look like? What are you trying to get out of this group? And I think by making that abundantly clear from the beginning, it's going to make it a lot easier to have a successful and effective group time. Cause I think we've all been part of groups um, that were derailed from the beginning and then you just didn't get stuff done. And then you ended up with more work on the, on the back end. We don't want that. Right. So, you know, having very clear expectations, clear goals of what you are trying to accomplish with that group time can be very, very helpful here. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, um, I'm looking forward to getting everybody together to kind of see what everybody else's idea is. Maybe the goal would be to really establish, I think, as you said, establish what the goals are and what we want to get done together. Or, you know, possibly it's everybody kind of reviews different topics in like the same kind of group. And then we come together and we discuss that. Or if we all review like the same general group and have like a discussion, um, I think that'll be really important to figure out prior to meeting and hoping to get, you know, information passed along if we don't even know what the goal is. Um, As far as the um, articles for suggested readings, we had someone say that they basically read the abstracts of the articles. And then um, if they didn't really understand a topic or if it was just an area of weakness for them, then they would go back and read through the entire article. Is that similar to what you had done? And then on top of that, um, we're trying to figure out a way to somehow break up the weeks so that we can incorporate articles with similar topics to textbook chapters with similar topics. And that can get a little bit confusing. Um, So any information or guidance you have on that would also be appreciated. Mm -hmm. Yes. So really good, really good considerations here. I like the suggestion of reading abstracts and then deciding, you know, like, is this something I need to go into more? Again, I think starting with kind of going back to what I said previously, if you identify those areas that you are less comfortable with, that is going to help kind of narrow your focus down. Personally, in my practice, I'm extremely comfortable with lymphedema because I treat lymphedema all the time. So for me, I knew that I didn't need to spend as much time on lymphedema. And so when it came to those articles and those book chapters, it was much more of a, 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 wow, of a review to kind of determine like, okay, yep. Like I got that. Yep. I got this down, whatever. Okay. I can move on. So again, that can really help you kind of how much reading do I need to do I'm not saying like, don't read. I'm just saying prioritize what's really, really important and then make sure you can apply it to these case scenarios, right? So I like the abstract idea that can kind of cut down on the like, do I need to actually read all 6,000 articles related to prospective surveillance? That's an, that's an exaggeration, but you get what I'm saying here. Um, so I like the abstract. 
there, you are also going to find, so going back to the, like, you know, how do we determine like what, you know, where to do what, whatever, there is also going to be a lot of crossover. There's going to be a lot of carryover between some of these different articles. Um, there are some articles that show up multiple times in different sections. Um, that should tell you a couple things. A, they are very important. And they like, there's information that applies to multiple sections. As we know, our patients are not just silos. They don't just have cancer or, you know, like if they have breast cancer, they don't just have breast cancer. Like they also have all these impairments and treatment side effects. And so again, it's like, yes, these different resources are grouped per topic, but they also apply to other things. Like an article that's for lymphedema could also be appropriate for, you know, exercise prescription and, you know, all these like breast cancer, you know, et cetera. So the more I think you study to like the more you're reading through these materials, the more you're preparing, you're also going to find that, yeah, I'm already familiar with that a, because I have experience with it or B because I've been preparing this information and it's like, oh yeah, same themes. You're going to find these recurring themes. And then again, like I said, the more you go through this, the more you're going to pick up on, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with this topic, even though, you know, maybe I'm, I haven't gone over this area yet. There's themes in here that I'm already picking up on because I've already been reviewing them and going over them. So I think that is very helpful. Um, That's one of the things I think I found the more, like the later in the preparation process, like the more we got through the material, the more I figured out that I didn't actually need to read that article. Like I thought I would at the beginning, because we've already gone over a lot of these key themes. Um, And so that's a big thing I would really encourage people is like, look at the overarching theme of what this information is. Like why did the powers that be pick these articles for this resource guide. There's thousands of articles out there. Why did they pick this one? I think that's a really helpful thing to also kind of glean. What is that really important stuff out of this? Um, You know, instead of every study protocol, I I made that mistake of like the study protocol and that's really not that important. The other kind of concern and thing that we were wondering about is thinking of the oncology board exam and thinking of like our first PT board exam um, where we were able to have practice exams and kind of building up like testing endurance and thinking more of like practicing answering test questions. We know as well with the oncology rehab textbook, there are some test questions on there. um, And we both through our residency, use MedBridge quite a bit for some of our um, coursework doing different courses online that are oncology or cancer related and had some quiz questions from that and could see with some of those, some of those questions are quite a bit more case-based versus only just asking general knowledge um, and figuring out like a definition or answering a question versus having like a paragraph like um, case scenario where you're looking at this question and then selecting exam or intervention or other um, things that they might be asking us. So kind of wondering if you had something that you did or what were the ways Mm -hmm. that you 
wish you had to prepare or what would you kind of give us as some advice for preparing more exam endurance and Mm -hmm. execution or strategy? That is a really good question. Um, This is going to half answer that question. And there's a reason why I do this. I, unless you are taking practice seven hour exams, I don't know how, how much like exam endurance we can build except through like, you know, maybe in the process of like studying and having your brain on in that capacity, um, I think is helpful. So, you know, no, it's not exactly the same thing, but I think just being in that, like thinking about applying knowledge clinically transferred for me really well into the actual like exam taking process. So here's the half answer to this that I think is, is really, really important to consider here. When you go in to take the exam, there are there are opportunities to take breaks. And I think what really helped my endurance is I had a plan going into this. So yes, it's a seven hour exam. However, you're not taking the exam the full time. Like there are sections and there are opportunities for breaks. Take those breaks. That is the single biggest thing that I can encourage somebody going into this behemoth of an exam is that, you know, I think there's, unless they've changed it drastically, there's like five sections or whatever, um, you know, certain time for these sections, take the break, leave the room, go to the bathroom, have your water, you know, eat your snacks and remove yourself physically from that. I mean, you know, computer center uh, focus. I think that for me, was the best way that I was able to maintain that endurance across the exam. It wasn't so much that I like, you know, like, yes, we studied for hours on end, et cetera, but we didn't study for seven hours at a time. You know, it was like two hour chunks or three hour chunks. And then, like I said, the single biggest thing that helped me stay alive during that exam was the actual take the breaks, take your breaks. (laughs) That I think is the biggest thing that is under appreciated and underutilized. So not exactly practicing to take a seven-hour exam, but that is very helpful for the seven-hour exam. (laughs) Sorry, I was muted still. Um, (laughs) That sounds very reasonable. And I think just knowing that kind of having a little bit more, I don't know, encouragement to, (laughs) to take the breaks and kind of think about using that as a way to help kind of reset like the thinking process, even during the exam. Yes. hundred percent, hundred percent. Absolutely. So I have a question kind of going back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier about how you say to apply the knowledge in a case-based like scenario. Um, How do you suggest we do that? I was kind of like having this thought that like, because I can create like a case-based scenario, but the problem is, is like, if I create it in my head, then I kind of already have the answer. It's really hard to like, think about like a case that I've created and then like, think about what the answer would be if I've kind of already created it and thought about it. So I actually just had this thought that like, if you have a group, like a study group going, then maybe for whatever topic you're doing, everybody comes up with like a case-based scenario and then everyone gets together and like kind of works to solve it. Um, in that kind of way. So that helps. But do you have any other methods that you like to use for applying um, the knowledge critically? That is exactly what I would do is come up. So, you know, 
after you've gone through the material, you know, however that process looks like for you, you know, create those sample case scenarios. And it's okay that because you came up with it, you have an idea of like the answer. But I think where it really comes together is when you're able to discuss with other clinicians, especially those that are going through this process and have this, you know, this discussion on, okay, I've come up with this answer. Why did I come up with this answer? Or why do I think blah, 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 blah is going on? And so, you know, maybe you're, you're just writing a case scenario and then you are talking amongst your study group or your study buddy to actually like, okay, why is it this way? And again, that's one of the biggest things on this exam is it's not, it's not definitions. And I think someone, I I forget um, which one of you talked about that. It's not this knowledge recall, it's the knowledge application. Um, And so I think practice scenarios are the single best thing you can do. And again, that's what makes the specialty exam so much different than a lot of other stuff. Even our licensure exam that we took when we first became physical therapists, it's knowledge, it's knowledge recall in those in that situation, right? I mean, like I took it a few years ago, so it might have changed since then, but it's really not the application to a patient. And so the more you can practice that, again, going back to kind of that, um, the exam endurance, that case application, I think is where people really need to build that endurance. I'm not saying do it for seven hours but build those chops up because that's what this exam is. And you have to be able to do that in every single question that you'll encounter on this exam. Or like 99% at least. I was going to say, I think that makes a lot of sense. And actually on Saturday when we were at our state um, fall conference, they had a case that they went through, but they had clinicians who were from like different areas of practice. So there was like a musculoskeletal therapist, a neurotherapist, a pelvic pelvic floor, pelvic mm-hmm. health therapist, mm-hmm. uh, cardiopalm, and then a lymphedema um, therapist as well. So kind of even like us having a group with other um, clinicians, depending on like what setting we work in, we could definitely all have different things that we would think about working with the patient. Um, and I think that makes sense then like what you're saying too, we all have different areas of practice Mm -hmm. that we have like become more familiar Mm -hmm. with or different things that we're just more used to doing in our practice. And I think we've had a lot of from the residency program, we've had practice in oncology care in a bunch of different settings. Um, That doesn't mean that we know everything about those settings or that we even experienced working with every every diagnosis out there in oncology care. Um, But like with having some of that background and then knowing one of the other girls that we're potentially going to study with is an inpatient rehab therapist and she works primarily with oncology. I know Athena and I have a little bit less experience in inpatient rehab, and then now she'll have a whole bunch more and has been practicing. Um, So that's super helpful about thinking about just all different kinds of things in regards to a patient case scenario. Um, Again, knowing that it's more 
knowledge application versus knowledge recall. Cause like I recall studying for the board, this like the licensure exam and doing more knowledge recall type studying and quizzing with my friends. Um, so I think having that information is very helpful as well for planning how to study um, and thinking about more of that. What does this mean versus just only what is this? Right, right. And that's a big, that's a big thing that trips up a lot of people, Stacy is because that's how we've taken tests for so long is like, learn this fact, re- repeat this fact or whatever. And so, you know, early on, it's very easy for people to get stuck in the statistics of, you know, like how many, how many people are diagnosed with this every year? It's really it, like, you should appreciate that there are some diagnoses that are more common, more prevalent than others. Yes. But that's not what this is about. And you really hit the nail on the head is how can you take your knowledge and apply it to a human being in front of you or a theoretical human in these, in these case scenarios? I kind of just have one more like general question um, for like studying hours. I know you said kind of blocking time might be helpful if you're thinking about case-based scenarios for, you know potentially five hours at a time, then maybe building up some of that mental endurance. Um, we had somebody say that they did like two out, like two blocks a week of four hours each for like a total of eight hours a week. I don't know if maybe it's just like a little bit of like uncertainty or fear because I haven't taken an exam in a long time like that. I feel like mentally I want to do more just because you know, I'm thinking that, you know, how much do I need to know? I don't, you don't really know until you start studying. So does that seem like an appropriate amount of time? I'm trying to think how I want to answer this. I think most of us are choosing, most of us choose to take this exam because we want to demonstrate our knowledge. And in the preparation of preparing for this exam, as you study, like you are accumulating knowledge and maybe like even rationale for why you're picking and selecting certain interventions for your patients as you go along. And so I think there's like, we are overachievers. Okay. Let's, let's acknowledge this. We are overachievers. We want to do our best. We want to show up. We want to ace this exam. Right. I think one of the things that kind of flies under the radar is like, yes, you need to spend some time hitting the books. We're all physical therapists here, right? All treating patients, right? So don't forget that you are taking this information and you're going into your clinic or you're going into your facility and you're treating patients. And so one of the things that I think is also very helpful is you can take your knowledge and be applying it with actual patients patients in front of you and thinking through like, why am I picking to do this? Or I am picking this because in the research, this is what is, you know, this is showing us what is best practice right now. And so I think there is a, a tendency to want to add more hours of studying because it's like, surely I need to do tons and tons and tons of hours. If you do it effectively and you're smart with how you're doing it, why you're consuming the information that you're doing, you can balance that really well with the application, which comes with actually like going through practice scenarios, you know, either by yourself or with study buddies, but then also using that with real life patients. So 
I would say I would personally not do any more than eight hours a week if you're doing it really smartly. Um, I think the amount that I probably did over a week was like eight hours. I probably would not do any more than that because we also don't want studying to consume your every waking moment. That is, that is for the birds. Like we need to have balance amidst all of this, right? I think that that sounds very doable. <laughs> um, I don't know right now that I have any other questions. I feel like we've covered a lot of information in this um, short conversation, which <laughs> um, has all been very helpful. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear that. Like you said, you know, going through this process, even just two years ago, I think it's been two years. It's kind of hard to remember now. Um, it just like flies by. But, you know, there's so many mistakes that are so easy to make along the way. And I made a lot of these mistakes. And so, you know, the more that I can pass on this information of there is a really good way to, to prepare for this exam and to do it and be reasonable with your time and still have a life outside of this. The worst possible scenario that I can imagine is you go to your PT job and you work there for 40 hours, you come home and you study every free moment that you have, and then you're not taking care of yourself. Like that is in no way the, the goal here. You know, you, you consume the information you do have to carve out some time for that, but then you apply it, you apply it in your practice, you apply it, and then you use your knowledge and you make your practice better for your patients. Like that is the whole goal here. Yes. We want to be board certified specialists. Absolutely. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's still patients that we're trying to improve their lives, improve their quality of life, et cetera. And this is a big way of how we can do it. So I don't know if you've seen it yet. This is like brand new as of the re this recording. Okay. By the time this podcast interviews, it'll be not so new. Um, but I just uh, published the ultimate oncology specialist study guide that I've picked out the, the heavy hitter articles from each section of that, that big, long resource guide. So that way you can kind of see like, this is my favorite and it's, it's my favorite for a reason. Like it's a really good article. And if you only pick one from that section, like this is a really good one to work with. Um, it also has some of the best podcast episodes I've done, um, that are specifically for exam prep stuff. Um, so make sure you download that it's the oncopt.com slash study guide. Again, that's for free. And a lot of this stuff I'm talking about in there, or I also have an upcoming webinar that I'm doing on December 1st there. I'm really going to dive into like, what are mistakes that you should avoid when going through your exam prep? Cause there's a lot of mistakes and we want to make sure that we avoid those. Let's have an effective successful preparation period, right? And then let's ace this exam. Thank you for that as well. Athena and I very much love the Onco PT podcast and we were so happy to meet you at CSM earlier this year. Oh man, we, we're very happy that there is, there's a great community within like APTA oncology and just oncology rehab in general. Um, like it's awesome that you would just take this um, quick call with us to kind of just fill us in on what your experience was and what you learned after going through taking the board exam um, and that you want to share this now even and just continue to help other clinicians and 
people who might be interested in taking the exam but don't know what that entails or what that looks like and kind of give them a little bit of help along the way too. So thank you for being an awesome clinician and from mentoring us from afar. <laughs> oh, you are so welcome. It's been such a delight getting to meet you. Um, honestly, it was like a life-changing experience to go to CSM because, you know, it was like virtual for, you know, a while and then back in person for the first time in San Antonio and then meeting the two of you and like having fans in that way was like something I've never experienced before. And it was so delightful. <laughs> so I'm just so appreciative to know that uh, like this information is out there and it's helping people because that's what I'm trying to do with all this. And I really do believe like, yes, it's really cool to be a board certified clinician. Like I love getting to say that, but I can say with absolute certainty that preparing for that exam, not even taking the exam, preparing for the exam made me a better clinician because I was really thinking through why am I doing things and how am I doing things to really achieve this end goal? And like just being a more well-versed clinician in cancer rehab, that is something I can never like can never be taken away from me. I'm just so solid in that. And this, like that exam prep experience was one of the best ways to do that. So, you know, again, even if you don't ever want to take the exam, preparing for the exam elevates your clinical practice infinitely. Anything else for me, ladies? I think that's it. You answered a lot of our questions. We really appreciate it. I just remember when we met you, you were like, Hi. And then you just kind of stopped because you expected us to say something because that would be a normal thing to do. And uh, that that was not why we ran up to you. We ran up to you and then completely froze in, in panic, completely fangirled, didn't know what to do. It, we were literally starstruck. So we were like, ah, hi. <laughs> so that was great. Are you going to see us this year? Because we'd love to see you again. Absolutely. I am actually teaching a pre-conference session on pediatric lymphedema. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Ever at CSM. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is so cool. We will be there. That is amazing. We, we have, um, well, I'm not, I'm not treating them right now, but um, some pediatric patients that we spent a good amount of time with. um, That's awesome to hear that you're going to be doing that. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, unfortunately, it's very needed. um, And there's, you know, and it's, it's really cool because we've created for lymphedema therapists, but we've also created it for pediatric therapists. So like, because me, I'm a lymphedema therapist. Like I never thought I would treat peds and was actively like, no, thank you to peds. But it's, it's uh, like as much as, you know, like cancer rehab oncology, like there's not enough of us. There's even fewer pediatric like therapists who will even treat children with lymphedema. So, you know, even if we just get a couple more, like it's all worth it. So I'm looking forward to seeing y'all at CSM and it's going to be so much warmer this year. Well, I really appreciate y'all. This was really cool. Like it's been really cool to just like kind of keep up with your progress so far. Congratulations on finishing the residency. That's an amazing achievement. I hope you're very, very proud of yourself. Um, And I really, really appreciate y'all letting me record this um, because all of the questions that you're asking me, I have people in my inbox right now asking the same question. So like there is a need and I'm just very, 
grateful that you allowed me to do that. Absolutely. We appreciate that you're helping so many people and answering everybody's questions. And I can't imagine how many of the same questions you get over and over again. So we're happy to be here to help you help. But it's it's the same questions that unfortunately are not being answered elsewhere. And so if I, you know, like, if I can be the answer, then that's, that's what I need to be doing. So <laughs> thank you again so much to Stacy and Athena for allowing me to record that conversation. It was so insightful. It was so full of these good nuggets. They've clearly been thinking about all of this, much like many of you have as you are choosing to pursue your oncology specialist certification. It's an amazing journey. Like I said, I firmly believe even if you never take the exam preparing for this exam makes you an expert PT, And at the end of the day, we're better able to help our patients, and that is what really matters. Thank you so much for joining us again for this episode of the PT Podcast, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Onco PT Podcast. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, leave a rating and review, or support us on Patreon. 